Hello and welcome back to Mystical Sisterhood. This is your host, Maureen Spielman. And today I sit down with a very, very heartfelt and spiritual conversation with Joe Argazi. I am so lucky to know him through my soul care coaching certification. And he's also a recovery coach and a certified grief recovery specialist amongst the many hats he wears. He has a private practice and he's been a spiritual counselor since 2008. There's so much that Joe brings to the conversation. I cannot even be able to tell you. He's known as the guy with the heart for his practitioner and counseling skills that helps individuals connect with their divine intuition. I know that you are really going to relate to his loving practical and effective style that he brings and just the realness. And uh, he's always infusing real life stories and ways to relate to both himself and to you, the audience. So I'm thrilled to have him here. Meet us in the episode. We'll see you there. Hey there, welcome to Mystical Sisterhood. This is your host, Maureen Spielman. I started this show to highlight the intuitives, healers, and other courageous women that I've met along my journey and continue to meet. Through amazing interviews, I seek to ask insightful questions to uncover ways in which you, the listener, can apply the wisdom and knowledge to your own life. I believe that we're all in this together, so sharing healing and joy and bringing community together is both my passion and purpose. If you'd like to learn more about the Mystical Sisterhood community I'm building, please visit www.mysticalsisterhood.com. See you in the episode. Welcome back to Mystical Sisterhood. I'm super excited to be sitting with Joe Argazi today. Um, Joe is a spiritual counselor and recovery specialist. He's an author of many articles. He's a practitioner and facilitator and has been at the Agape Spiritual Center in Los Angeles, as well as a grief specialist trained at the Grief Recovery Institute in LA. So I hope I have most of that right, Joe. You got it and, right. Okay, good. And um, you and I know each other through Susie Lula's Soul Care Coaching. And so we have been sitting in the virtual classroom for, I believe, over a year and a half now, if we count starting in January of last year. And I'm always struck, um, the soul care certification and mastery that we've been in is, is really a family. And Mm. it, we know that we are committed, committed seekers and traveling this lifetime together. Susie's at our helm, but she's also next to us. So we've, we've gotten to know each other through that. And you've always struck me as um, incredibly contemplative, incredibly generous in um, listening and providing feedback and wisdom around your life's journey and practices you have in place. And so we'll talk about some of those today, but um, mainly really so happy to have you here to engage in a conscious conversation that's going to weave not only your life story and experiences, but um, the principles of the universe and how we meet and greet ourselves and our emotions and come to ourselves with loving kindness and compassion and understanding and just like 
wrapping ourselves in a warm hug for everywhere we've been. So a little bit of an intro for you. Welcome to oh, this thank space. Thank you so much. That's beautiful. I love the warm hug embrace, you yeah. know, our life's journey and recognizing that, you know, as, as uh, Einstein said, and Susie would have said that, you know, or does say that it is a friendly universe and that it is for us. And that was a big transition for me when I first started was moving from a victim mentality, thinking that life is doing something to me, to beginning to recognize that actually, no, it's doing it for me, even in the most painful circumstances that might have arisen for me. It's like, oh, the universe is somehow trying to get my attention because it wants me to grow and expand. It wants me to become more of who I actually am. And if there are old false beliefs, you know, brought about by well-intended society or culture, familial, religious influences, it's like, what's underneath that? What's really true for me? And that's been the journey I've been on for quite some time now. And what's really cool is when I first started, I get so excited when I'd find something new, I would grab that little book and take it to every person I knew and say, oh, you have to read this. I found the answer. I found the answer. And I'm very infectious and very sincere and very like honest about it. And after a while, my friends would go, oh, honey, we're so happy for you. That's okay. <laughs> and what I have found is I found the answer for now, you know, mm. because over the years it changes because that consciousness grows and expands. So my awareness of my life's and my life's journey and what's happening around me, that too has grown and expanded. So that shift from feeling like a victim yeah. to me to actually, oh, this is for me has radically, and that's a, that's a powerful word, but it's radically changed my life. And that's part of what I want to do to help others recognize as well, that life is oh. for us, yeah. not against us. That's beautiful. I love how... You, that just we're beginning with that, that that's a big one, right? That yeah. shift from thinking that we are a victim to everything happening around us. And I think like when we're in that, that mindset, um, it feels like it's a bit powerless. Uh, what do you have to say about that? Like when we're, it, we're thinking that it's happening to us. Oh, totally. And that's why it's so painful. Because I feel like I'm at the whim of life happening to me, and I have no control over anything. Now, there's a paradox there, because the reality is I don't have any control over what <laughs> right. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. <laughs> or, or that's one way. Of, that's, that's, so here's the good news, though. I do have power over how I choose to experience my experience. Mm -hmm. You know, Viktor Frankl wrote an amazing little book called Man's Search for Meaning. And he was a psychiatrist who was actually in Auschwitz for five and a half years. And that was his final conclusion that the real freedom lies within how we perceive what is happening to us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's pretty darn extreme to be sure. But he realized that his freedom lied in his ability to perceive his life as something being done to him. And that wasn't just to say, no, it's not happening. But was there something greater that he was able to tap into and in recognizing they could not take away his ability to perceive his life the way he is choosing to perceive it? Wow. And that's real freedom. And that's what, what I get to remind myself of over and over and over again. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's my perception. Is this yep. for me? Mm -hmm. And if so, in what way? Oh, mm -hmm. maybe it's about growing in patience. 
you know, maybe it's about being a little more loving, a little more kind, a little more gentle, you know, so it's, it just depends moment by moment. Right. I love it. Yeah. And that we are not constantly, that sounds like a harsh word to me, but we're, we're always being invited to the practice to, and we're, and we've been conditioned to think in a certain way. So our mind that we relied on so preciously for so many years and the loops that it was in, it's the undoing and the, and the coming with a new lens and new questions and, um, to kind of see things in a different way. I love, I love the Viktor Frankl, uh, book mention as well. It's so mm. powerful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's kind of hard to deny in that kind of setting, you yeah. know, what you found to be true. Absolutely. Joe, yeah. I think it's interesting. I always, um, think for my guests, how, how did you come to be sitting here today? Is it, if you say, where, where did this all start? Where did it begin? It may have been something pivotal in your life that woke you up. Or do you, I remember when we did sort of our pre-interview, when we were talking, you mm-hmm. said that I've, you were always spiritually oriented as a little boy. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Just anywhere you want to start. So the listeners can get to know you a little bit. Yeah, sure. Thank, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes, it goes, when I look back now, I'm 66 and I look back where, where did it really begin? Um, I was raised Catholic when I was a little guy and uh, back in those days, everything was spoken in Latin. Mm-hmm. So I didn't understand what was being said at all, but here's what was interesting is I'd wake my parents up on Sunday to take me to church. I wanted to go. I'm like seven, eight years old. And they would sit in the back and I would walk to the front pew and I would sit down. And all I knew, especially looking back on it now, is of course I didn't comprehend what was being said or Mm -hmm. theology or dogma, but I was having an experience and it felt really good to me. There was something beautiful that I was experiencing. I didn't have a language for it. I didn't have words for it. All I knew is that there was, and here, I didn't use this word then, obviously, but now there was a resonance occurring, mm-hmm. not within my mind, but within my heart. As I sat there amongst, and I heard somebody say this now, no offense to any Catholics, but Catholicism, it's great art, not so much on the theology part. You know, it's <laughs> so, so the, the environment, the music, the setting, it was so conducive to me just experiencing something with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I heard Reverend Michael say once that something is another word for God. Mm. Oh, something was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God. Yeah. And I had to, I used that word when I was younger. I had to let that word go for a while because I had to redefine what that meant to me. But now yeah. I'm absolutely fine using the word. You know? Oh, I love but, that. Yes, I can see you as a little boy. I, uh, the art and theology that speaks to me too. I did grow up Catholic and, um, yeah, that it's okay that if we had experiences in, in our younger life and we have to stray away from certain words that were used, or I feel the same way. Like I, I used to dance around the word prayer because Mm. it was rooted in, the church experience for me that was very indoctrinated. And I thought like, well, if something happened out there and I said the word prayer, it it felt heavy to me. Mm -hmm. But I think through my understanding of my connection to what I now call the universe, it's, and I've been able to define what that means to me, the word sort of lost its charge. So so I'm curious, what does it mean to you? Can you share that? Are you now? 
Yeah. Yeah. It just means um, to me now, I thought, I thought before it was bound to whatever Catholicism was telling me now Mm. it's sending compassion or sending uh, love and light or holding someone in comfort that may need it. So it completely was stripped of anything that I used to ascribe to it. And I get to say what it is now. And right. guess what? Guess what, Maureen? You can do that with just about anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. There's the freedom, right. right? And the authenticity that you and I are talking about before the podcast, yeah. you know, the value of who you are and bringing your light and your unique experience of whatever the languaging, the word, the whatever it is, you know, bringing that forward, uh-huh. you know, to yeah. be of service, right? I love it. Yeah. So you're this little, little boy and you're loving the energy of the church at that age. You didn't know yeah. what, what and why. And then what happens as you get into your teen years? Yeah, this is great. It, I wasn't quite in my teen years, but I remember also they in Catholicism, you go to confession, which means you go into a little room and there's a priest and there's a divider between the two of you. And then you confess your sins. And then he he's sort of like an intermediary between you and God. Right. And then he will absolve you, the priest of your sins with God and then give you some kind of prayer to recite in terms of penance. I have to tell you, the first time I did that, it didn't feel right to me. Mm. Even as a little eight, nine year old little boy, it's like, well, why do I have to go to that person? Can I go direct? Uh, yeah. It just didn't make it didn't resonate. There's that word. Okay. Again, mm-hmm. It didn't resonate for me. So I quit going. It just didn't. Yeah, I thought I should yeah. be able to go direct, you know. I love so, it. <laughs> <laughs> cut, cut out the middleman. <laughs> right, cut out the middleman, right? Go go direct, exactly. Yes, and that's the intelligence of a child, though, I think. Right. That, that is like, okay, this he's he's got it. He's And, you know, it's interesting because when I was in eighth grade, my dad switched us all to Catholic school. And it was, I always saw it, this may have been my perception, um, in response to something that had happened to his family or our family in our family. And then he was like, all right, the rest of you are going to Catholic school. And I got to Catholic school and I had been raised going to church every Sunday, but I had not been immersed and it was a K through eight. So K through Mm. eight, sometimes I think can be a little more constricting than like maybe a Catholic high school, let's say Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. was my experience. And so I got there, but I remember it was, it was in the fall, like the, the light has started to change and I was studying at the table and I told my dad, I said, I don't believe in God. And he about lost it. He just thought like, what, but it was the same, it was the same age. Right. And so that's really interesting, like how when we watch kids this age and they're coming up with what, like, wait a minute, this doesn't feel this doesn't feel right. It's a feeling and a knowing uh, to you. Yeah. Which which is trying to get your your attention. Right. Those emotions and feelings, as we've studied with Susie and soul care, they're messengers. They're not good or bad or right or wrong. They're just emotions and feelings that are trying to get our attention. That's the universe trying to get our attention to maybe affirm. It's like, yeah, that doesn't feel right for me. I don't believe in that. And so it's like, great. So can I honor that for myself? Whereas I think most people and this is where. I'm speaking in general here, but, you know, to, to live this kind of life means I have to take full responsibility for my life. Mm-hmm. I don't, if I'm not going to play victim, that means I'm a hundred percent responsible for what happens in my life and how I experience what happens. 
right? So in this redefining what God is or redefining what religion is or spiritual, I don't believe in God or no, I'm going to redefine prayer that feels truthful for me mm-hmm. and feels authentic for me, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. means I'm going to go against a lot of what was said previously, a yeah. lot of doctrine, a lot of, you know, in church, here's their interpretation. So I have to follow what they say. Here are yeah. the rules, here's the regular, but if it's, if it's, if it's not resonating, Mm-hmm. Then I'm just being, as a teacher of mine once said, most people are sheeple. Mm-hmm. And God bless okay. us all, by the way. That doesn't exactly. mean they're less than or more than. Yeah. It just is what it is. Because yeah. to live this kind of life, like a mystical sisterhood, means we're willing to take 100% responsibility for our life. Yeah. And there's great freedom in that. Mm-hmm. There's work in that for mm-hmm. sure. Because I don't get to sit back and blame the government, blame the church, blame my family, blame anything outside myself. It all resides within. But Mm -hmm. that's good news because that's where my liberation (laughs) resides. Yes, yes, right. So so when we're younger, there's a part of us that that knows and is trusting into what we're feeling. And then a part of us that might not because we're being very influenced by the family we're growing up by culture. So we get pulled in both directions. A hundred percent. We want to fit in. We want to belong. I mean, who doesn't, right? We don't want to be alone. Yep. You know, so we are influenced quite heavily and it's a capitalistic society. So, you know, the volumes turned up on that. And mm-hmm. again, I don't, I'm not, a, I don't have a thing one way or the other. I really try and live my life more from a, not that I'm a Buddhist, but that, you know, um, not judging things as good or bad or right or wrong. That has yeah. served me really well. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And I want to say too, that even in you and I shared the experience of growing up in a certain religion, and that could be anything. We're really talking about this, you know, resonance and yes. what resonates. And sometimes what, res- you know, even in our adult lives, we can be resonating with something for a while and then determine it's not for us. You know, it's that, Right. And it's kind of like following that flow of life and being willing to set something down that no longer serves and pick up something new that might speak to us more because we're changing and growing all the time. Oh, I love what you just said. And and there's so much beauty in that. Another teacher of mine said, you can't get it wrong because Mm -hmm. you can't get it done. Mm -hmm. And we don't get it done because we're eternal from a spiritual Mm -hmm. perspective. Yeah. So that allows me to relax a little bit because there was a perfectionistic side of me when I was younger that was based on wanting to be loved and cared for Mm -hmm. from, you know, from the outside. And so that was pretty strong. Uh, So right and wrong was important. Good and bad was important because I wanted to be the good boy. I wanted to be the teacher's pet. I wanted to be the best friend, you know, and, and, and there's a part that's natural to that, but that was really being driven by not feeling like I was enough. Mm-hmm. That was really being driven by wanting to be loved and cared for, seen and heard. And that's very human. And that's mm-hmm. very natural. And I still appreciate that about myself. Yeah. But I recognize now that as I, you know, continue this journey that we're on of yeah. spirituality, and recognizing it's like the Wizard of Oz, it's always been home, it's always been in my backyard. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's always been within me. Yes, honey, it, wow. it is. Mm-hmm. And it's still there. And, and so we don't judge the journey. I don't judge the journey because I'll stay with the metaphor because it brought me courage. It took courage Mm -hmm. to be on the journey. It takes Mm -hmm. courage. Um, I get to use my brain. Mm -hmm. I get to use my beautiful heart, Mm -hmm. you know, and all those things grew and, you know, 
interconnected along that journey to bring me back home, to bring me back to myself. So where there is no more aloneness, right? That I'm not broken, that there's nothing missing. And that's so much more than just an intellectual construct. That's why the journey is important. That's because it's experiential. So in my fear, in my darkest times, and there's been a lot of that just on the other side, by being able to move through that, sometimes consciously, sometimes it's just life happening. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, But I get to the other side and looking back, I can connect some dots and go, wow, that was so important for me to get to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Without that, I wouldn't have had the experience of knowing that I'm a spirit and that I'm a soul. It right. taught me that. So yeah, this, this whole thing about experiential learning as opposed to just intellectual it's such everything you just shared right there it's such a beautiful gift to share with this audience and and i'm sure the people that you have sat with throughout the years to hear that our experiences are for us and that that it's that that's our life's journey it seems like very profound the way that you're sharing it today i i really love it because everything all the all the from the high highs to the low lows they're all and that's why we're here and that i've never heard that what you said about it's not about reaching that answer we're not supposed to reach that answer in this lifetime on undoing what got us to the place of the undoing and and everything we go through is the journey. Yeah. 100%. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I know you've got a lot of books behind you. I used to have a lot of books behind me as well. And they're all saying the same things in essence. It's the journey. Yeah. It's the journey. Mm-hmm. And yet, because I don't like where I am on the journey, it's like, oh, no, when I get there, then I'll be okay. When I get there, then I'll be validated. When I get there bank account, the zip code, the right partner, the right something outside myself, then I'll be at peace. Then I'll be okay. Then I'll be happy. And that's the illusion. That's the illusion. It, co- mm-hmm. it constantly keeps us in a state of not being present. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. Or for me, certainly. Right. No, but no. When I began to work with that and catch myself and like, wow, you're way out there in the future somewhere. It's like, here, here's the thing. My sister, I remember having this thought. She called me a few months ago and she was having some anxiety around something future tense, maybe six, seven months out. And it occurred to me, so I'm 66, she's 70. And I said, honey, has anything turned out the way you thought it was going to in your 70 years of life? Big pause. And I'm asking myself the same question because I already know the answer. Right. No. Right. One thing has turned out the way I thought it was going to, you know? And it's like, so yeah. why am I worried six months needs to, it's going to be what it's going to be. And that sounds yes. cliche, yes. but to actually surrendered, which means to trust life. Again, back to our beginning theme that it's for me. Yeah. I don't have to worry about, do I have an idea? I, I hope it turns out that way. And if not, that, then something greater. That's again, that's going to be. For yes. Me. Yes. Because and- my life experience says nothing's going to turn out right. the way you think it's going to. So honey, <laughs> sit back, relax, be on the yes. journey. Yeah. That's what the joy is. That's what the adventure is, the curiosity, the enthusiasm yes. about what's, you know, what's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So obviously too, Joe, you have been called to work with people. You yeah. 
be, because of what you've studied, what you've gone through. So tell us, tell us about that. Just if, if it's one-on-one or you work in groups and, and I, I, I also want to know that middle path, like what happened in the middle for you, which allowed you to almost, and I know it's a life's work, so it's not yeah, just the middle, yeah. but I'm seeing it as the middle right now of what is that sort of, sometimes we just say like, you got to do the work. Right. And I have, I have a feeling there's a lot of it around emotions right here too. You know, I mean, how much time do we have? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this will be a five hour podcast. Oh, perfect. So, we'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll cover the first, the first bit, the first. Third. Exactly. Yeah. yeah this is just know, the beginning. So yeah. You're so right. And you know, we were talking before the podcast about a wake up call. And I think we're always, they're always going on at yeah. the, you know, some bigger than others. Right. So one of my very first wake up calls was uh, when I was 28. And, you know, I'd been, you know, living my life, but I'd always had an, a dream where I wanted to find a partner and I wanted a house mm-hmm. and I wanted a home. I, what I was doing when I look back on it was I wanted to create something that I didn't have when I was growing up. Yeah. I wanted the ideal home, you know, and I had this idea based upon movies and TVs, what that was going to look like an ideal partner. I wanted to have a family. Mm-hmm. So I met somebody, I dated him for a year. He finally said, yes, Right. So and I got him to move in. So within the first week, we were upstairs and he had looked at me and he looked in my eyes and he said, I so love you. And I knew he meant it. Mm. And this just breaks my heart when I think about it. But it was like a wall went up. It yeah. Boom. And all this panic inside. I'm just smiling, of course. Yeah. And saying, I love you too. But inside I'm panicking. Mm-hmm. A wall went up and all I knew is I had to get out of there. Yeah. Had you had never experienced something. I had no like comprehension that. of mm-hmm. what it meant to receive love mm-hmm. or what love was, you know, it wasn't modeled for me in a healthy way. And I had all these mixed ideas, but what I picked up on the resonance was he was sincere. Yeah. He meant it. And I didn't know what to do with that. Mm. And it just, this panic got so large within me and I was gone within a week. I left, Mm -hmm. I moved out Mm -hmm. and I had a moment of clarity. The following week was like, you need help. There, there's some wires crossed. Here's the one thing you said you've wanted your entire life. Yeah. And you invited that all in and it, and I invited it all in and it was real as real could be. And I had no capacity to participate or be better said be present for that. Yeah. I didn't know how to receive it. And so when you see that 28 year old, how do you hold him? Oh, I, it's like, Oh honey, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's funny. My hand goes to my heart. Oftentimes naturally when mm-hmm. I really began to do this work, I, it was more of an unconscious thing Yeah, you know, because I really, that's what mm-hmm. I wanted. And mm-hmm. I thought, here's the one thing you wanted and you had to get away as fast as possible. You yeah. need some help. And I didn't even know what the help was. I knew yeah. I needed therapy, and I, but I didn't know what work we would be doing. And um, I remember, go, so I found a therapist. I was going to take a year off my life because I'm a, you know, that's the kind of dude I am, right? If I'm going to do something, I'm going to tackle it. I'm going to, it's going to be an all thing. Hundred percent. You could have been there. done at twenty nine. <laughs> exactly. Take this, this, you know, and. 35 years later, that's right. that, I love it. But at that time, my little 28 year old self said, yeah, you're going to take a year off. You're going to get better. You're going to figure it all out. And then you're going to get on with your life. 
right? Yep. That, right. that really opened the door for me to begin to, it's also when I got sober, it was recommended during the therapeutics process that things were going to come up that would be uncomfortable and might be a good idea for me to not drink or do drugs. And I was on board with that. Mm-hmm. And then so, but I was going twice a week to therapy because I was really going to do it. Yeah. And then he suggested perhaps, perhaps I check out a 12 step meeting. He said, because a lot of the principles I use in therapy are also mm-hmm. found in 12 step. Well, he knew where I was coming from because he knew I was eager. And so it's like, yeah, I'll do that. That's three times a week. So I'll get done even faster, right? So so as I was going to, and he didn't say because I was alcoholic, he just said the principles. Okay. And that's Mm -hmm. what caught my attention. So as I was in there and after six months of, I would go at 12 o'clock, this Monday meeting, I'd leave at 1.31, right when it was over. But after sitting there for, I don't know, maybe six months of just really listening not talking, not sharing, just listening. Mm-hmm. I realized that I was alcoholic. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that actually, those 12 steps became parallel to the work I was doing in therapy because yeah. there's a step that says a God of your understanding. Mm-hmm. And I had like taken God off the shelf for a while. Mm-hmm. But this gave me permission to begin to explore, well, what would that look like? If there was a yeah. God of my understanding mm-hmm. as I was going through the 12 steps and going through therapy. So in the middle, that was, that was the beginning of the middle for the me. The beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It I really, wanna, yeah. Right, well, I was going to ask a question about that sort of disconnect that you had with, mm. with your alcoholism and, and your relationship with alcohol. What was it in there? Can you say that then was like, oh, wow. Was it shifting? From being, you know, how you started out with the victim mentality too, like, oh, oh, 100%. I, I, I have the ownership and this is what I'm doing to myself or, yeah. yeah that certainly was part of it. The, part of it was I, because I was such a good boy, wanted, you know, motivated by wanting to be loved and liked, right? I was yeah. the golden boy kind of thing in school and at home and in church and whatnot. And so I didn't start drinking until I was like 22. Mm-hmm. But what I found was when I drank, all the pressure that I felt in my life up until 22 that I carried the, the oh, weight yeah. of the world was finally like, Oh my God, I can breathe. Mm-hmm. I can actually relax. Mm-hmm. I was so tightly, tightly wound. Yeah. And so that alcohol actually worked for a while. It's like, yeah. oh, thank you. I can breathe, mm-hmm. you know, until it didn't. And then I, what, what happened was by going to AA and looking back, it's like, Oh, I didn't know what alcoholism was. I had a very stereotypical idea that it was a trench coat with a bottle of wine and a paper bag sure. under the viaduct, right? Mm-hmm. Very stereotypical. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't me. I was, mm-hmm. a, I was uh, what they would say, a, um, a functioning alcoholic. Functioning. I held yeah. my job. I was, I was you mm-hmm. know, doing what I was supposed to be doing and showing up and you know, very strong work ethic, et cetera. But when he asked me not to drink, it was like, I was so eager to really do this work to figure out what was going on. It became a non-issue. Yeah, I didn't have, I was very fortunate. I didn't have a craving that a lot of people do when they mm-hmm. stop drinking. Mm-hmm. That wasn't there. But what was there was a lot of stuff that I had to untangle and look at in the therapeutic process. And also program gave me the, you know, some steps by which to do, like they talk about a moral inventory and all of that. And, you know, it was very, very helpful in so many ways. It also allowed me to begin to be a service years later. 
I love that. As I yeah. stayed sober. Yeah. And it's been 34, 35 years. Amazing. You know? And yeah. yeah, so so that program was was foundational to my therapy yeah. when I began to explore who I am, mm-hmm. my relationship to the world, my relationship to other people, my relationship to God, which yeah. is the relationship to myself. Yeah. Yeah. So in that middle, and and that's come in many forms, you know. Yeah. And but, is that was your experience in 12 step that you learned the principles, so that all the introduction and the ways to work with it, but then community was a big part of it too. And the connection 100%. with fellow, you know, man, woman, anyone on the planet. 100%. You. It was the first time that I'd walked in and people were really telling the truth. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like bearing it all. Mm-hmm. That was so foreign to me. As many of us grew up in families, certainly mine was, everything was secretive. Yeah. Sure. You know, everything was hidden. Everything was how it looked, mm-hmm. but you know, rarely it, you just never talked about what was really going on within this family unit. Right. It was just all about the presentation. So yeah. going into a 12 step meeting and hearing people talk so openly and honestly about their lives and about what they were feeling was such a for, it was fascinating to me. <laughs> I bet, you know, yeah. and it, was, it kept me coming back because the stories were like amazing. And I think that's in part what defines alcoholism. Most people would be going like, I don't think so. But an alcoholic would go, wow, that is just like right. amazing. Tell <laughs> yes. me more. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. You identification, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's the identification, which brings us back to, I'm not alone. Yeah. I'm one with, you know, and the bigger principle there with all that is. And also for me back then, I wasn't in touch with my feelings and emotions. Right. Yeah. I was raised by a Marine, you know, mm-hmm. a drill instructor. So it's like, I can see it on your face. So I learned very, very early on to survive by shutting down. And it was like, I just lived from the head up from here down. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not going to happen. And it's how I survived good for me. Yeah. I'm you know, smart yeah. enough to figure that out to, mm-hmm. you know, to get my way through. But then as a functioning adult, go back to 28, somebody saying, I love you, no capacity to deal with a real feeling and a real emotion. Uh, yeah. I know. Right. I so, know. Oh, yeah. Honey, and it's, you. and it's also such a, I say that from my heart because it's a, it's a more universal experience than, than we talk about. And it's, and you saw it in yourself. So yeah. And then you get in the groups, you're, you're committed, you're learning. It's the beginning sort of portal into this new life. Totally. Really. So yeah. to get in touch with what I, with what I was feeling, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and what was actually going on within me. And that was a long process. That yeah. was a few years in the making to oh, where yeah. my feeling was actually congruent with the experience. Uh, I knew yeah. what I thought I was supposed to feel again, but I was living all up in here. Sure. It's, it, it, takes touch, yeah. Yeah. it takes time. Yeah. It takes time, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Time, patience, safety. Mm-hmm. You know, feelings. So in the therapeutic process, I felt safe with mm-hmm. my therapist to begin yeah. to explore that. I would show up, you know, especially early on and says, well, how are you? And it's like, well, I'm fine. It's like, I'm, <laughs> there, I'm fine. And finally he said, well, you know, fine's an acronym, right? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, it rep- I don't know if I should tell you on the podcast, but <laughs> it became this like, I'll just say the F word and so forth, F, insecure, neurotic, and evasive. <laughs> said, That's what fine means. And I went, okay. Yeah. yeah. That- I think it's, that's it's, it. it's exactly. It's one of those smoke screen answers, right? Yeah, like, don't, totally. don't, don't ask me anymore. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm committed <laughs> to therapy. Yeah. 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 So, you know, because I'm so afraid, you know, yeah. 
opening understandably, up. Right? Yeah, understandably so. Understandably, that's why I go, yeah. oh, God bless me. But I was so eager to do it, but was scared simultaneously. Yeah. So you're so you're doing all that, Joe. And then yeah. is this when you started opening up? Did you start going to Agape Spiritual Center or like what what else starts to unfold in your life? Yeah, that, in those that, times? that I did because I was so committed to my own recovery and I was so I love connecting with people in meetings. Yeah, it was. It really fed my soul because it was the first place that I felt like I could learn to be honest, mm-hmm. and that I really understood these people, and I could feel that they understood me, yeah. and they felt that I belonged somewhere mm-hmm. because of their honesty more than anything else. I love that the level to which they were, you know, sharing their life, and oh, it was just like yeah. I was so hungry for that. You That's know? such and a I mean, yeah, North Star for people too, right? Like, like I love you saying it because it's what we're looking for. It's what we're craving. It's what we're yeah. all craving. If yeah. we were just, you know, just to distill it down, we all want the same things to be loved, to be heard, to be seen, to feel safe. So simple. So simple. <laughs> you know, and it's still what I want today. Same yeah. things. Yeah. Nothing has right. changed in the 35 some odd years. It's like I still want those qualities in my, and I have them. Mm-hmm. You know, when mm-hmm. I show up a day at a time and continue to do the work that yes. I need to do to yeah. feel the resonance and the truth of that, yeah. me, you yeah. know, and then I get to keep it. They say, if you want to keep it, you have to give it away. Mm-hmm. So I'll be it through practice uh, in meetings or through clients or through a friend on the phone or in my spiritual community. So, so I was on that path you know, of re- yeah. uh, in 12 step and also in therapy, which I was in for a long time. Then in, I think it's the year 2000, I was living in Los Angeles and a friend of mine uh, was going to Agape. So would you like to go? And it's like, yeah, sure. I'm open. So I went and uh, I heard Reverend Michael speaking. And as soon as I heard him speak, it was, it was like one of those watershed moments again, you know, like we were saying earlier, it's like, Oh, here's another wake up call what he was saying and the manner in which he was saying hit me directly in the heart. I knew he was a teacher for me at that time. Mm -hmm. Here's, here's my teacher. And I wanted what he had Mm -hmm. the enthusiasm, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the clarity, the knowledge, the wisdom, the joy. It's like, wow, that is so powerful. So I immediately just signed up, started to take classes Mm-hmm. You know, and it was like multi-denominational. So it wasn't a dogma, mm-hmm. you know, specifically. It was more about universal laws and universal teachings, which everything, everyone in the pool, everybody's invited. And I looked at the people that were going to the spiritual center and they were just this great, big, wonderful, uh, black, white, gay, straight, Indian, Asian. I mean, it's just everyone's included, yeah. all inclusive. And it was like, this is how I believed in my heart of hearts the world could look. Yes. And the yes. world could be. And I was wow. like, wow, I didn't know something like this existed. Mm-hmm. So what I started to do was take class. I was very clear they had a program, a four-year program, to become a, what they call the licensed practitioner, the practitioner of truth, based upon these universal laws. And I was hungry for that. Yeah. And I just dove right in. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I realized that, you know, through the other my, the, the work and the things that I have done that my real joy in life came from working with others mm-hmm. from being a service to others from sharing my life with another human being. It just fills my heart. It still does to this oh, day. Yeah. yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, Joe, I would love to sit in that space with you because you, you're able to pull it all, all together and create this sort of cohesion. Um, but I, I like seeing you on your journey from that little boy. Right. Oh. And, and just like that through the decades, through the years and pulling in, opening up, waking up, pulling in what, what came to you at that time and contemplating it in your heart and determining where you needed to grow. Right. And I think we all, you know, if you're a little bit aware Mm -hmm. by being a little bit aware and a little bit conscious, you know, what I've learned and what I've experienced is that the, the inner guidance, you know, that intuitive voice, the voice of God, whatever you want to call that thing resides within the heart. The heart has its own intelligence. It's not here. Brain's an amazing thing, but it's linear. The yeah. real intelligence and guidance comes from, and this is what I've learned and have practiced now, from my heart. It's also where the wisdom resides. You know, at the brain, I've got 66 years of information that has gone in, so I can use that 66 years, by, or I can tap mm-hmm. into the infinite mm-hmm. intelligence of the heart mm-hmm. and Which the is, infinite wisdom of the heart. Yeah, and, it, and this and is real. You, yeah, exactly. This is real. This is it, not just no, this is not like a Hallmark card. Oh, isn't that sweet? No, no, this is for freaking real. And, <laughs> right. and when I start to when I started to live from that place, my life began to change. It began to show up in new ways because the limited brain would sit, could see it. And could I manifest from that? Yes, but it's very limited in its perspective. Mm-hmm. If I can surrender and I believe, or another full circle, that the universe is for me, that life is for me, that God is for me, now I'm surrendering to an infinite possibility. Now I'm going to let it show me instead of me show it. A very different paradigm of living. So yes. instead of trying to make it happen, mm-hmm. which we were trained culturally, societally to do, pull yourself up by the bootstrap, get in there, figure yep. it out. And we can create from that paradigm, but that's a very old, stressful, hard way of creating. Or I can surrender to that infinite intelligence and wisdom and say, okay, I want to be a service. I want to use my talents and gifts to help others. I want to thrive. I want to live a happy, joyful life. Why don't you show me what that's going to look like? Yeah. And you know and I've been surprised and delighted as another yes. mind would mm-hmm. say. You know, mm-hmm. I could not have figured it out mentally. I would mm-hmm. have sold myself short every single time yeah. because I have limited information as opposed to un, un, unlimited, you know, mm-hmm. uh, intelligence and wisdom mm-hmm. and potentiality and possibility, opportunity. Mm-hmm. So that's the journey I consciously go on today. Yeah. And, you know, and I got to tell you, man, it just, it's taken me so many places I would have never, ever imagined. Oh, wow. I, I love that. The one phrase that I just heard you say that I haven't heard say this way was the surrender to the infinite possibility. Yeah. And that's, it's different than just saying there are the infinite potential possibility. It's surrendering to it from that heart space. Like when you just talked about a heart practice, is that, is that how you were just talking about it or is it Uh, no a hundred percent that's how it is so it's like Mm -hmm. where the mind is fear-based and you know and and so it's like scarcity lack limitation and we're conditioned to that it's all up here but the heart is love-based yeah right and so to live from a place of love Mm. not again the hallmark kind of love that's sweet and that's nice but like for real Mm -hmm. let me show up 
which means I'm, I'm tapping into this source mm. that's unlimited in its potential to provide for me mm-hmm. and everyone else. No one's left out. Mm-hmm. So it's like my greater good and the greater good of those around me. That's part of my prayer today. Yeah. Now, absolutely. How can I show up to be a best service to myself mm-hmm. and then to those around me yeah. and show me what that looks like. Uh, uh, Reverend Michael said once, and I never forgot it has such a strong impact. He said, we don't make it happen. We make it welcome. Ah. Uh. Isn't we that don't beautiful? make it happen. Such a simple, make it welcome. you make it yeah. welcome. So yeah. like with your podcast and the mystical sisters, right? It's like, yeah. you're making it welcome. You're, yeah. you, you're showing up. We still mm-hmm. have to show up and do the work, right? Yeah. You, you get the stuff going and you figure out the technology and you figure out the time slot and the ways in which, you know, the, 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 um, the structure looks. Yeah. Yeah. But then you're surrendering to let it go where it needs to go. Yes. yes. It'll show you. It'll show you the guests. It'll show you where it needs to go and who it's <laughs> going to affect. And, uh, and isn't that a relief? Yes. That you don't yeah. Have to figure that out? Yeah. Well, it's a funny thing because they'll say, okay, you got to do this batch content thing. And that means sitting and doing six interviews in a day. And I'm like, that that's not. And so sometimes I'll get up to a week and I'm like, I got nothing. But something always comes something always is in that slot on a Wednesday and I can trust it and trust that it's on that meandering road and it's going to go wherever it goes. Um, that idea of the universe knows. Yes. Can, I don't know if we were talking about that last week. I think it came up thematically somewhere, but the universe knows, let go, let go. Um, you're okay. You can try. And we see it in nature all the time. Yeah. A leaf falls off that tree at its perfect moment. It's not efforting to let, shake the leaves off, you know? Yes. Yes. I mean, so mm-hmm. the universe has this divine harmony to it and is orchestrated so perfectly to take care of every little creature, every sentient being, every little insect, yeah. you know, working in harmony for the good of the greater good. Mm-hmm. We're part of that equation. Yes, absolutely. Part of that. Yeah, we were taught to shake the trees, though, and to kind exactly. of get at the all the degrees and the perfect scores and the right clothes. And I said that before we taped today, but like, um, what'd you say? Not it's not the positions or the what was it? it's not the what we have on the piece of paper that says we're legitimate. It's not all the yeah, like it's I'm not saying the that, possessions, and it's not yeah, the, the possessions. The, the, um, whatever those are called positions. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not, you know, some of it. you know, there it's like, well, maybe cause I got caught up in that one more degree. Well, mm-hmm. maybe I'm not quite good enough. I need to, Oh, let me take that course. Let me take that class. And I wasn't doing it for my, well, in part for my own edit, edification, but more so it was about, um, so I'll be certified and people will see that I am worthy of their time and their energy that I have what, that I'm qualified to help. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? So that was really coming from a place of lack, not from overflow. You I know? love it. Yeah. yeah. And no one's going to read that. Someone can read like how in the beginning of the conversation today, I'm like, okay, Joe, this, this, and this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's got those things, whatever. But this is where you're going to get to know him. Right. A hundred percent. When we, when we sit with somebody, when we, you know, when we open up our doors and just sit and break bread and all those things. Exactly. Yeah. And we're just mm-hmm. being our most authentic, genuine self. It's like, can it be that easy? It's like, yes. Yes. I, I think the way that you relate to yourself, um, you know, when you share and you recently shared within 
our mastery group for soul care is, is it's beautiful the way that you now have a relationship with what comes up for you in your life. And can you talk about that too? Like Susie does teach us that emotions are messengers, Yeah. but, but we, I want to talk about that just because it's so powerful and for the listener to walk away with like, wow, you know, I always speak to my clients about it or the people in my world about, no, the anger, the sadness, the frustration, the resentment, it's all here for you. And it, we can misidentify and think we are that, yes. but even if we begin, like we, we set an intention to begin to know our inner world, our, the thing, the emotions that are coming up for us, like, can you talk about that some, because I think the way that you language greeting your emotions and being with them and tending to them, um, why it's, sure. why it's important and how it looks for you. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. I learned this in part from um, the great teacher Eckhart Tolle mm-hmm. and the power of now and the way he relates to emotions. And it was radical when I, when I heard it and then even more so when I began to practice it. Yeah. So what he says, for example, anger, right? First of all, I'm not going to judge, you know, first of all, do no harm, do no harm, yeah. which means mm-hmm. do not judge my feelings or emotions, whatever they are, we tend to in our society, oh, joy is a good emotion and anger is a bad emotion. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. They're just mm-hmm. messengers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're actually an indication of where I am in terms of alignment with my soul's calling. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. bottom, bottom line mm-hmm. of that, right? Mm-hmm. So when anger comes up for me, which I used to be scared of because it wasn't anger, it was rage underneath until I began to do some work with all of that. But when anger comes up, Eckhart Tolle would say, Instead of saying, I'm really angry right now, and that may be true, and we don't want to be in denial of that, but he says, why don't we say instead, I'm experiencing anger right now? So rather than saying, I am the anger, Mm -hmm. which actually enmeshes me with it and perpetuates it, and it's hard to see anything beyond that, if I still am angry and I'm saying, I'm experiencing anger right now. That tells me that I'm having an emotion, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't identify me as the emotion. Yeah. And it's that energy coming through, right? Exactly. There's this energy coming through and what's going on there, you know? And for me, oftentimes, especially with those kinds of emotions, you know, sadness, anger, rage, uh, a fear-based emotion. And if it's really intense, there's a great saying in recovery programs that if it's hysterical, meaning the intensity, mm-hmm. it's historical. Mm-hmm. That's a great phrase. Mm-hmm. And I use it and I use it all the time for myself because if the intensity is there, I automatically know it has nothing to do with what's going on in the moment. Yeah. It's triggering something out of my past. Does it have to be even the word hyster- hysterical? Does it have to be like hysterical or can it be no. his- hysterical? <laughs> like a little be, bit. Yeah, it can just yeah. be hysterical. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, well, I could be annoyed. All right, yeah. well, maybe I'm annoyed, so be a little more patient. That's all. That's just calling you to, and you get yeah. to, I get to, be, I get to own. I'm experiencing, you know, frustration. I'm experiencing being annoyed. I'm experiencing, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. I, I get to own that. Yeah. And then see what else is going on underneath that. What? A, oh, because I'm afraid I'm going to be late at something if they don't get the line moving. Yeah. It's like, oh, so you're not trusting that there's a perfect timing here. Mm-hmm. I play that a lot in the car, mm-hmm. you know, when people are, you know, we all, <laughs> traffic's a great 
way to practice. <laughs> it's like, and I tell myself all the time, well, look at it. it's not going as fast as you want it. So it's protecting you. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to happen down the road here. No. Just trust that, you know, the speed limit you're going is the speed limit you're supposed to be going and yeah. no hurry to get anywhere and listen to a book on. I really relaxed around this, this idea of wanting to, uh, 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 let me pause for a moment. Mm-hmm. I've really, I've relaxed a lot into just being present with the moment and allowing it to be what it is Mm -hmm. rather than thinking it needs to be something different. And what that brings to me is a feeling of peace. Yeah. And what I want more than anything is that Mm -hmm. I want to be in a state of peace. Yeah. You know, and from there, you know, when peace happens, and this is, I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent, but those other emotions create constriction, right? When I'm in a state of surrender and peace, the creative flow, that God intelligence, that wisdom flows through me easily and without effort. And I can hear it. I can sense it. I'll know what the next indicated step is. And that's all I have to do. Yeah. It's not 2000 steps down the road. It's just the next two. Yeah. That's all you do. You if, know? Yeah. And if you... If a listener on the call today, listening to the conversation, thought this present moment is bigger, I don't understand it. How do I even get there? What's one simple cue that you would give to them or just almost? uh, Okay, listener, this is going to be challenging. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And I'll give you a little caveat here. But for things like that, for actually all of it, acceptance Mm. it is the resistance to what is that creates more of the tension more of the anxiety more of the anger more of the frustration more of the fear Mm -hmm. it's the resistance that's doing that the resistance to what is if i'm able to even if i hate it and sometimes i do i do my best to find some way to make peace with what is Mm-hmm. to come into acceptance of it. When I first heard this, and this is important listeners, when I first heard this concept, it made me really angry. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to accept what is because I don't like it. It doesn't yeah. feel good. I want my life to look different. I want them to be different. This is not working for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand the more anger and stuff I had against it is what kept me locked into it. Yeah. And so I'm just going back and forth on that same level, right? Mm-hmm. When... Mm-hmm. In acceptance, think of it more as a, I'm, ex- I'm willing to accept what is. And if I'm not willing, I do this trick. I'm willing to be willing mm-hmm. to accept what is, because it has to be real. Yeah. I can't just mentally, oh yeah, I'll accept what is when I really don't. Right. I have to keep going until I can actually feel a sense of sincerity. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to be willing to be willing mm-hmm. to accept this at this moment. Mm-hmm. Because here's what happens. In acceptance the creative flow starts to happen. Things begin to shift and change. I used to think that acceptance meant resignation. And it's right the opposite. Acceptance actually opens the portal to things being able to shift and move Mm. because I'm not fighting against it. Mm -hmm. So it's very paradoxical. Yeah, thank you for that offering. And and it reminds me of, it's an opening and, and we're not here for the answer. Mm. We're here to 
be in flow, to surrender, to trust, to get to that, like you say, inner alignment. I, I think too, like these days, it's like the alignment, your essence, your true self going back home. Those were all just things that were on the outer when we were young. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and now the words are being used through things, you know, at books we're picking up social media, our favorite speakers ourselves. Yeah. And um, I think people are, are, are really waking up and, and heeding a new call and, and listening in and leaning into the conversations and, and just the experiences being shared. Yeah, absolutely. So I would like to ask you, that's such a great question you asked me. So somebody that's listening right now, and they're in the middle of a really big, intense, painful, challenging experience, what would you say to them? Hmm. Such a good question, Joe. The it's word that, yeah, it, oh, <laughs> I think that what I know is when we're willing to create an opening, if we're just willing to sit and yeah. invite light in, um, a willingness to just, I, I, I just seeing like the sitting to create the space, like you're saying the answers and, and just, the power, the power of the breath and, and taking, mm. you know, just it, and it doesn't have to be, but it's just that willingness. I think the willingness is the biggest thing. Mm. Are you willing to um, hold another possibility? Are you willing to possibly see yourself in a new way? I think to me, it's, it's, mm. are you willing to listen to the question or questions mm. or some new questions? Cause I've always thought, the power of the question too. I think that's why I like podcasting a lot and, mm. and here you are turning it on me. But I, I think that um, for me, it's, 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 are you willing to sit and create space mm. in order to, to invite what's, I, I don't want to say like invite new, but invite what's meant to emerge, to come forward. Oh, I love that. Just that little bit of not new, but what's meant to come forward. Wow, that's powerful. because that that Thank whole you. I've been getting a lot of um, signs or information lately about like I pulled a card the other day and it was it was the picture of a gem and that idea that the diamond or the gem can be on, you know, it can be in the earth mm -hmm. and it's got all the the dirt and the earth and and we know that that's where gems grow. Right. right. But also like having a dream last night, going to bed last night and asking for asking for some sort of sign in my dream. And, and, and then what came forward was the diamond in the rough. So almost like, are you willing to know that to entertain that the answer is somewhere within you? There's so many powerful invitations mm. for people. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure. And I'm not going to go back to the drawing board and get the perfect answer, but that's just what comes in the moment. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that will because the willingness they would use that statement in twelve step that willingness is key. Because and it's correct. Willingness, and, nothing can shift and change. No, and I think you said it earlier when you were younger, and I and it's for us all the time. Is the it's it takes courage and bravery. Yeah. It does because no matter what, we're we're kind of um, 
just reforming, um, reinventing, recreating new ways that are so much kinder to ourselves. And mm -hmm. there, um, I don't know where you said, I thought last week, maybe it was when I was reading your share in the WhatsApp for our group is that that do no harm, you know, in that, in that tie in with the, there's no judgment here. There's no, Hey, and if you can, and it's that principle of, if you can apply that to yourself, if we can do that, that's what then we are going to bring to the outside too. If we can change that lens within and um, not just try to trick our mind into believing it, but uh, really do the work of greeting what's coming up from the inside with uh, curiosity, compassion, like all the things it's going to, it's going to change on the outer. A hundred percent. And that's, a, that's, that's part of the ongoing journey, right? As we grow and change and not mm -hmm. hold myself to old ideas that no longer serve me, that actually no longer resonate, but allow myself to continue to be a part of that. You know, as a gay man, I had a lot of stuff early on around what masculinity meant. Mm -hmm. And growing up in the Marine Corps, you know, I had a lot to do with machismo and, you know, looking a particular way and bodybuilding and how you held yourself and what you said yeah. and how you said it. And it was just, it was the antithesis of my soul. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's all I can say. And as I began to appreciate my softness, yeah. my gentleness, my open heartedness, like mm -hmm. for real. Because that, mm -hmm. that's who I know myself to be. There's a tenderness here. And as I continue, I can feel that. As I continue to honor that for me, first and foremost, that's why mm -hmm. there's no harm to accept that, not just accept it, but to actually embrace it yep. as part of who I am. And it's part of what I have to offer. How beautiful is that? So beautiful. You know, yeah. and, and it's like, and for me, because it it's the opposite of how I thought I was supposed to be, you know, I was fighting against a lot of stereotypes and trying to find who I am where I, but as I more and more and more, this is who I know myself to be. I'm mm -hmm. on a journey. I love this journey. I love mm -hmm. our conversation. <laughs> you and I are getting to know each other. I'm falling in love with you. It's like, oh, here's my sister. Here's yes. you. Yeah, we can, we can go on for a long time. It's like, and now I know I can pick up the phone anytime and say, hey, Maureen, absolutely for me or something's going on and maybe yeah. let me work through it anyway I'm kind of all over I love it. yeah so beautiful and I uh it's I that's why I love doing the podcast too because it's creating conversations that really resonate with people and it's it's take what's for you and leave what's not I have a feeling that most of it's going to it's going to fill your heart and your soul at some level. I sometimes think this work now is so fulfilling that at one point in my life, when I went through health things, that was very serious. I, yeah. you know, I looked things in that I had, I hadn't entertained to, to that degree. And, but now these conversations are so they fill me at that deep, deep soul level that I, I almost release what is going to happen tomorrow in any way, shape or form, because I know that my soul is is doing a lot of what it's meant to for this lifetime. And how do you know that? It's so fulfilling. It's so it's not it doesn't leave me wanting more. It's it feels full. Yeah. 
And it's a quality. It's a feeling of fullness. Yes. Yeah. Satiated. Yeah. Yes. 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 Oh, beautiful. There it is, right? Because we were talking about emotions earlier and feelings. And it's like, so this feeling of satiated and fullness and purposefulness, that's how you know. That's how you know. Intellectual. But you know it and every, I bet you every cell and fiber of your being right now is resonating, Mm -hmm. is vibrating, right? You can feel it. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's how we know. So it's not an intellectual process. There's a knowingness and no one can touch that. No Mm -hmm. one can tell you that. No one can take it away from you. Mm -mm. you But when you experience it, you know it. A hundred percent. Yes. So I wish that for everybody listening. You yes. know, to, to find what that is for them. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and then absolutely. Write it in the column or however they you communicate with them. And I'll put it exactly. I will. I always put everything in the show notes. So everything that we refer to, whether it's books or wow. practices or this or that. But Joe, where can a listener find more about your work? Or if they wanted to contact you, where would they go? Oh, sure. It's my website. And it's my name, josephargazi.com. You can meet me there. I'm also on uh, Instagram. You know, it's my name, Joe Argazi. And uh, yeah, you can mm-hmm. meet me there. And there's contact information. So yeah. if you're all interested, give me a call. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll include that. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So much that we didn't get to today, but I'll have to just feel like I'm complete for today. <laughs> um, I want to thank you so so much for being here and just sharing the space and being in conversation and and coming from the heart ah thank you yeah Yeah, likewise likewise i think there's going to be more of this in the future yes there's a whole one on health that would be awesome for us to do yeah i would love that i would love that that would be fantastic thank you for inviting me thank you to everybody who's listening and yeah you know more to be revealed right Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Thank you to the listeners. We'll see you next time. And all right. Thanks, Joe. Okay, my friend. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mystical Sisterhood. If you love what you heard, please visit Apple Podcasts and subscribe and leave a review and share with a friend if you're called to do so. To learn more about my one-on-one coaching programs or join the Mystical Sisterhood membership, Visit MaureenSpielman.com or MysticalSisterhood.com. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the next episode.